your life, well, you'll hit a snag, maybe a broken bone, maybe a cold, maybe some kind of sickness. And as you begin to walk through that sickness, you actually believe that by his stripes you're healed and you believe that there is healing covenant uh, in, the, in, the, in the body for you, and you begin to lay hands on yourself, and you begin to declare, I apply this, this, the blood of Jesus to my brokenness. I apply the blood of Jesus to this cold. I apply the blood of Jesus to this sickness or broken bone. And the faith in the name of Jesus brought that healing, brought restoration, brought healing. And so the measure of faith that God gave you that you believe for salvation, now you have doubled it, and your seed has grown. Do you see that? How crazy, you don't just start out with a measure of faith, but the more faith you begin to exercise, the more faith that God begins to give you. And the word says in Romans that faith without works is dead. And so it's not just enough to have all this faith, but you've got to learn the principle of applying the faith. In other, in other words, you've, you've, got this, you've got this arsenal that God has given you to live your life victoriously, but if you never applied the word of God, you never apply the name of Jesus, you never step out of the box and step out of that comfortable area and start declaring and prophesying great things over you, you won't. But if you will, if you'll let that faith rise up in you and say, well, how can you, how can you explain faith rising up? I guess one of the best ways in the natural to, to explain something rising up, uh, I, am, I am very... Um, what word am I looking for? I love my country. I, I, I'm, I'm very patriotic. And what is so crazy, anytime they do that song or they show that flag, I tear up. I mean, it's like I'm, I'm proud to be American. I'm, I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad what God has done for me. I've visited 18 countries of the world. And of all those countries, there's no place like America. And I think about that, that God has raised me up. And is anybody, anybody glad for that? But I, I know it's silly. But I'll see, I'll see them sing a song, and I'll get all teary-eyed, and I'll get all welled up. And then you let somebody say something about my country. Then there's another thing that rises up in me that I, the spirit of slap, I'll slap you silly and send you to Indonesia. Hello, you're making fun of my country. But that same thing happens in the kingdom when you're around the people of God, the things of God. And you might hear a song on the radio or a testimony, but all of a sudden something rises up in you. That's faith. And when you step out in faith and exercise that faith, there will be results. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, which by the word of God things are made of things which do appear. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it being dead, yet speaketh in the blood of Abel, cried out to God and got the attention of God. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him for before his translation. He had this testimony that pleased God. You hear very little sermons about Enoch. Enoch is a man that never takes to death. The Bible says there in Genesis when all the families were being birthed and the, the nations were growing, that there was a guy by the name of Enoch. It doesn't say a whole lot about Enoch except that he pleased God. And Melissa, somehow he must have walked so close with God and he must have been so tied into the things of God that one day God would say, Enoch, you've walked so far with me 
you're, you're far from your natural home. I'm just going to take my spiritual home, and you're going to dwell with me forever. How crazy would it be for you to have that kind of, I don't want to go right now. I don't want to be translated like Enoch, but how crazy that you could get so close to God and so close to the things of God that God would say, let's see, you're closer to my house than yours. Come on up to my house. I mean, how incredible. Talk about that faith. And then it concludes with this. And in Hebrews 11, is all full of faith. It talks about Noah. It talks about Abraham. It talks about Gideon, of Jephthah, of David, all the Old Testament prophets. It talks about the ones that were murdered for their testimony and all the blessings. But I want to just stay with verse 5. It says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. And Brother Jerry, what a, what a, what a, what a testimony. What a, that, that we can pursue after God and we can find God and God likes it when we look for him. And, when, and God doesn't hide from us very long, but when, when we find God and God touches us, there's a change, something happens in our life that we're better today than we were yesterday because we found that secret place of the Most High and we know that we're in the center of God's will. And what a, what, a, what a blessing that would be to be where God wants us to be. As we have been talking about faith and the, the ability to move mountains, we only need one mountain moved. We only need, there's, a, there's an ICU in, in Atlanta. There's a mountain there. That mountain has defied the kingdom of God. That mountain has defied the house of God. That mountain has, 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 has come against the Mercado family. I learned a long time ago when common sense makes plain sense, don't seek any other sense. That help you? When plain sense makes, okay, here's common sense. I just did the math. I sat down and talked to God, and I said, God, I do not believe that you need angel in heaven to do anything there that you're doing right now. God, I don't believe there's anything that, that, that you would take him from his family. You told him to be a dad. You told him to be a husband. You told him to be a child. You told him to be a part of the family of God, and that's his destiny, and that's what we decree, and we will settle for nothing less. I do not believe that God needs angel. I don't believe that angel going on to heaven is God's will. I just don't believe that, not the God that I serve. God brought them together, gave them two beautiful children. They're wanting to have a little boy in the next couple of years. There's destiny there. There's fulfillment there. There, there there's, 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 a, there's a genealogy there that God is raising up through the McCardle lineage. Most of you know that he was abandoned as a baby, but was adopted by Pastor Dave and, and Pastor Connie. And what a, what a legacy he has and what an what a opportunity he has to raise children up to be what God wants them to be. So that settles it. So I, so I shut the book. And I say it's done. And the faith that I have is the faith that God is going to wake him up. And when God wakes him up, we will share his story to the world. I'll tell you, first thing that will happen is that Marcus and Joni will fly Angel and Courtney to Dallas, and they will go on Daystar, and they will tell 197 countries how many people said give up, how many people said pull the plug, how many people said, well, he's not there, he's dead, and they were all wrong. And what will happen with that testimony, it will touch thousands of people around the world, and they'll have the attitude as I, if God is no respecter of persons, if God God would speak life into Angel's dead body, then God would speak life into my ministry, into my future, my marriage, my finances, my hope, all that I have. And it, it, it's a faith builder. When you see a miracle, the Bible says signs and wonders follow them that believe, and that's supposed to draw a crowd. 
People came to Jesus because of the miracles. He came to Jesus because of the free food. He came to Jesus because every time Jesus spoke, something phenomenal happened. What the city of Cleveland, Tennessee needs is an old-time miracle where Dr. Undisputed would declare, I don't, know how, I don't know what to tell you. I thought his brain had no activity, but I'm here to tell you. I can't explain it. And there's one, there's one neurologist that I can't wait, and I'm going to borrow the words of Tim Woodson, but when I meet that, when I meet that neurologist, I'm going to say, nanny, nanny, boo-boo, it's on you, baby. You were wrong. And, and whether you'll ever acknowledge it or not, there is a God, and he's in control, and he's got his hands in our children's lives, and he will not allow them to sleep or slumber or their foot even to be bruised. That's what I'm standing on. So when we, when we stand on that, I want to go, go quickly to Matthew 7 because we, are, we have been praying. Uh, we've been praying together. Uh, I've taught this house a long time ago that three things happen Actually, there's four things that happen when you pray, but three things happen when you pray. When, when you begin to pray with someone else, you just begin to pray with someone else, there is an intimacy that is birthed when the two of you in agreement begin to pray. When you begin to pray for someone, that's why the Bible says pray for your enemies. It's tough to pray for your enemies and continue not to like them. That's tough. But when you, when you give, begin to pray with someone you love and, and you're in a, a time of agreement, there's intimacy that de develops there. And the third thing that happens is that when you begin to pray, there's intimacy that begins to develop with the one you're praying to. I had a testimony. She's not here this morning. I was going to let her share her testimony. But she told me that one day last week she felt closer to God than she's ever been. She was praying for angel. And as she began to pray for angels, she's, she's got overwhelmed by the power of God and the love of God. She's probably 30, 30, 32. And she said, I have never felt this close to God. And that's what happens when we begin to pray together. God turns our tragedies into triumphs. God turns our tears into cheers. And God makes a difference of where we're at. So when we, when we look at that prayer, Matthew 7 and 7 says this. Ask, and it shall be given. Seek. And ye shall find, knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Notice, if you will, three levels of prayer. For everyone that asketh receiveth, he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened unto them. For what man is there of you, being evil, that if his son asks for bread, will he give him a stone? Or son asks for a fish, will he give him a snake? If then we, being evil, know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more shall our heavenly Father give good things to them that ask them? So watch this level. Watch this level of maturity. The Bible encourages us to ask. In the, in the Lord's Prayer, it's a daily prayer. We're asking for provision. We're asking for protection. We're asking for multiplication. We're asking for God's favor in our life, and we know that's his will. We pray it, and we get it. The second type of prayer is a little different. It's called the seeking prayer, where we really may not know the will of God or the purpose of God or the plan of God, but we will set aside a time and we will begin to seek after, pursue, and find the purpose and the plan of God. And the Bible says that when we go into that mode, that we are going to find what we're looking for. A few weeks ago, Karen got a negative report, and the doctor said this is the way it is and this and this. But the body began to pray. John and her began to pray. 
She's here this morning because God answers prayer. And, you know, sometimes it's easy to be overwhelmed with a pain or a hurt that sometimes you begin to, God, is it, is it your will for me to walk in the sickness? Is it your will? Is, are you somehow getting glory because I'm hurt or wounded or financially under attack? And those answers are all no. No, God's not any of those. Let them shout for joy. Let them favor thy righteous cause. The Lord hath pleasure in the prosperity of his children. Psalms 95 and 2. God loves to see his kids blessed. God loves to see his kids flourish. God loves to see his kids walk in financial freedom and walk in blessing and walk. That He loves that. That's what God does. That's the God that we're pursuing. That's the God that we're seeking. And then there's a third level of prayer. And that's where this house is at right now. And that's the prayer where the door has been closed and we need it open. And, and the word says, if you knock and keep knocking, the Bible talks about that unrighteous judge that, that there was a woman that kept waking him up at night, calling out to him, demanding righteousness, demanding a right word, a right judgment. And the Bible says that unrighteous judge finally got so annoyed with her persistence that he granted her her request. Pastor Ronald preaches that, that message. But you know what? We don't serve an unrighteous God. We don't serve an unholy God. We serve a God that cares about him. And there's a song that says there's no certain problem that he can't solve. We can call him. When we want to, we can tell him what we need. Pastor Todd, Wednesday night, talked a little bit about prayer. And a lot of times, if we're not careful, we feel like we have to have this certain persona or this certain personality to talk to God. And I'm reminded of Jonah. Jonah was a world evangelist, and he touched the world. And I can see Jonah being honored at one of the feasts there that they had when the world got saved. And they probably called upon Jonah to bless the food. And I believe that Jonah being the proper evangelist that he was, probably prayed a King James prayer. Meeks, do you remember the King James prayer? I believe Jonah prayed, well, bless God. We knoweth, Lordeth, that thou heareth his places, and you're going to bless us with all showers and bless. Hallelujah, glory to God, ameneth. That's the King James prayer. But when Jonah found himself in the belly of the well, hello, and found him in all that slop and all that darkness. He dropped that King James pretense and he shouted out, God, what's wrong with you? And God said back, not meeth, youeth. <laughs> now, if you didn't get that, the spoon has fallen out of your bowl. And I'm probably not going to be able to help you this, help you this morning. But there, there, is, there is obvious a way to approach God. And there's always a, a, an attitude of knowing whether we ask, seek, or knock, if we do one of those things, it's going to come to pass. Luke 6 and 38, and I'll conclude with this. We're talking about seed. We're talking about sowing. We're talking about faith. Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, running over, shall the Lord bring in your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet, are you so? With the same measure, it shall be brought back to you. So if we sow cheerfully, graciously, sacrificially, the Bible says God's going to honor that seed, and God's going to bless that seed, and he's going to bring it back. The least I see in the word of God that God said he would do with your seed is double it. That's the least, the double it. Then I see the sevenfold blessing 
then I see the 30, the 60, the 100-fold blessing. And when you step into a 100-fold blessing, you cannot live in one natural lifetime the years that God has promised to bless you with a hundredfold blessing. It's not a hundred times, it's a hundredfold, and that's a big difference. In other words, a sevenfold blessing, Pastor Todd, if you sow one element, that's by the time you fold that seven times, it's a hundred and twenty-eight substance that comes with that sevenfold. You fold that thirty. Someone told me if you fold it the hundred, the computer cannot calculate that many zeros that God follows a blessing. If we know how to pray, pray correctly and lay it down at his feet and leave it there and let God have it. And that's where we're at today. We've we've petitioned this morning, we petitioned God. I don't know, I don't know about you, but um, hundreds of times yesterday, I'm in mind constantly, angel, angel, angel. I told you last Sunday I had a, I had a, uh, probably not a vision, I'm probably too old for visions, but I had a, uh, I had a, I, I captured a uh, scene in heaven, and I saw a pyramid, and at that top, at the top of the pyramid, I saw God. And then as the pyramid began to expand and begin to broaden, the pyramid was made up of praise and made up of worship and made up of prayers. And as I looked, the, the pyramid began to shift, and it wasn't all angels, but there were saints. So I watched this, this, you know, the Bible says the, 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 the what's the thing, you, not, not the veil, but the, uh, that, that is the tra- his train fills the temple. The train is that beautiful garment that the Lord provides for us and gives us rest. The Bible says that our praises clothe God. We clothe God with our praises. And as that train fills the temple and God's glory begins to seep out, begins to expand, Way over here, what was so ironic, and it's funny, it was on the side of the church that angels sits on, but right way over here, as the pyramid is up there, and there's hundreds of millions of angels and people praising and worshiping, I saw just a little spark, just a little, just a little, it, 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 just, it wasn't even significant, it was a little spark, and all of a sudden, the area around him began to spark, and then all of a sudden, that spark began to move, and as that prayer, and as that faith, began to head towards God. God didn't send anybody. He stood up on his throne, and he said one word, and that was angel. One word, and that was angel. And that I felt like the Lord was showing me he's got this. He's got, we want him to do it yesterday. We want him to understand that, understand that. And that's where faith in the faithfulness of God, when you have your faith in the faithfulness of God, no weapon formed against you. doesn't say there's not going to be weapons. But it said, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. For the enemy to prosper were to take this dad, this son, this youth pastor. That, but, but for God to prosper is for God to just simply say, angel. And I promise you, Courtney has spoken to his ear. I've spoken to his ear, Pastor Rhonda, Pastor David. But that's a voice that won't speak from the outside. But that's a voice that will speak to his heart. And a response to that, he will wake up, sit around and say, I'm hungry. But if you know Angel, he was always hungry. And so we await that moment. That's where we're at. We, we pray. We ask the, the provision of God. We seek the vision of God. And then we knock on. When God gives us direction and there seems to be an obstacle, we knock, we knock on that door. And we knock until the door is open. I love the Lord this morning. 
he's a faithful God. Just one more time, just if you'll lift your hand with me and just kind of look up and, and would you say, angel, just angel, just come home, just wake up, wake up, come home, open your eyes.